Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast, Riding the Rodeo of Religion and Life. The purpose of this podcast is uh, allows me to explore the aspects of religion, life, and spirituality with a new and, shall, shall I say, maverick view, a progressive view of God, Christ, Spirit, and the world religions. Today is episode 46. I'm calling this episode the great, grand, glorious something that happened. The great, grand, glorious something that happened. What I want to talk about this great, grand, glorious something that happened is the resurrection. This is Holy Week. This Sunday is Easter Sunday. You know, my Easter Sunday sermon is usually short. It touches on just the high points of the resurrection and the meaning of Easter. It's only in times when I do adult education classes where I have the chance to go deeper and to push people and challenge them to explore different aspects of Easter and their beliefs of what really happened 2,000 years ago. So what I want to do is to take this episode of Cowboy Jesus on this uh, Holy Week, this Easter week, and explore with you some thoughts and insights I have about the resurrection of Jesus to maybe, I don't know, open yourself up to some new ideas yourself, maybe challenge your thinking, uh, maybe give you permission to think something new about the resurrection. So what I want to do, uh, I want to begin by asking you a question. Here's the question. If archaeologists were digging and found a tomb that had the name Jesus of Nazareth written on the stone outside the tomb, and they rolled it away and found the skeleton of a dead body that was undeniably Jesus' body, what would that do to your faith? Would your faith crumble because a dead body would mean that Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead? And if he didn't physically rise from the dead, then the resurrection is a sham, and ultimately the Christian faith means nothing? That maybe Jesus was a good teacher, but that's it? He's no different than, uh, say, Socrates or the Buddha or any other great teacher. Or, if they found the body, would your faith be okay? Would it stay intact? That you might even clearly be intrigued because you don't believe what happened 2,000 years ago had anything to do with a body rising or being resuscitated from the dead. That maybe what you believe happened 2,000 years ago had more to do with something spiritual. What do you believe? Would your faith fall apart? Or would you be curious and intrigued? You know, for me, the question is at the core of the issue about the resurrection. Was Jesus' resurrection something physical, a physical body resurrection, or a spiritual resurrection? You know, this, is a, uh, this whole notion is something that I wrestle with and talk, a lot of, uh, talk about a lot of people with. When we talk about the resurrection, I always ask them, well, do you believe it was something bodily or do you believe it was something spiritual? And I find, you know, Christians kind of fall off on uh, these two different sides. You know, for some people to question the bodily resurrection is to, uh, is to uh, question Christianity in itself. And how could I really question the bodily resurrection? And for others, you know, it's like a, it's a spiritual resurrection. It kind of opens the door for them to think about something new about what happened 2,000 years ago. But a, what I want to do is I want to unpack this a little bit. And I want to explore some different aspects of what is the bodily resurrection and what is the spiritual resurrection. Let's first look at the bodily resurrection. Okay. 
The physical body resurrection, you know, it's like the bedrock of belief for thousands, if not millions, of Christians. You know, for me to even question, as I said, you know, it's tantamount to heresy. It pushes some people over the edge. You know, when I talk about uh, doubting the physical resurrection, I mean, it just raises the hair on the backs of their head. And they, and they think, you know, how could I do this? You know, the physical resurrection, it's in all the Christian creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. In the Presbyterian Book of Confessions, it's in almost every confession down through the ages. The physical bodily resurrection, it's embodied, it's embedded in our Christian psyches. But let's explore it. Just what are we talking about when we talk about a physical resurrection? Let's look at Lazarus. You know, you know what happened to Lazarus? Is what happened to Lazarus what happened to Jesus? You know, you know the story. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus got sick and he dies. Uh, Jesus intentionally stays away uh, from coming to Lazarus until after he is dead and laid in the tomb. Uh, Jesus comes. The people ask him about resurrection. Mary and Martha ask him about resurrection and he challenges all of them. And then he goes into the tomb and he commands in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And after a few moments, Lazarus steps out of the tomb, bound in his funeral wrappings. I love it. It would be such a great Hollywood. It's a great Hollywood moment. you got to agree with that, right? So was Lazarus a physical body resurrection? Is what happened to, to uh, Lazarus? Is that what happened to Jesus? Let's think about that. No. What happened to Lazarus was a resuscitation. His corpse was resuscitated. He, his physical body, came back to physical life. He resumed his life with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus even comes and visits them and has dinner with them later in the gospel story. Now, is this what happened to Jesus? Is a bodily resurrection the resuscitation of a corpse? You know, people of faith disagree. Some, some say yes. Jesus' physical body was resuscitated just like in Lazarus. He resuscitated. He lived on the planet until his ascension into heaven a few weeks later. Just as Lazarus was resuscitated, so was Jesus. Others say no. What happened to Lazarus was not what happened to Jesus. Something radically different happened to Jesus when they talk about a physical bodily resurrection. You know, Lazarus came back to human life, but he eventually died again. And this time, he stayed dead. When Jesus' body came back transformed, he was transformed into a living, bodily, spiritual being. You could touch, feel, and see his physical body, just as in Thomas did in John's Gospel, where he put his finger inside the holes of Jesus' hand and the wound in his side, and, and his doubt was erased. Uh, Jesus had this mysterious quality. He could be there and he could be gone again. He could appear into a, uh, come into a, appear into a room and then just like disappear. You could put your finger in his wounds as Thomas did, eat a piece of fish. But yet this physicality that Jesus had was mystical, was mystical. Analogy that I like to use, or that was uh, I've taught over the years when I've tried to talk about the physical bodily res resurrection, instead of it being 
a resuscitation is to talk about what is a monarch butterfly. Think about this. The monarch butterfly goes from a worm to a cocoon where the worm turns to goo and then after time of renewal comes out transformed in a butterfly. So we have worm, cocoon, butterfly. Now use that as an analogy to talk about the resurrection. What we might say is that what happened to Lazarus was worm to cocoon, then back to worm. He was resuscitated. The worm was resuscitated. The time in the womb was cocoon. Now, what happened to Jesus was something else. Jesus went from worm. His physical body was the worm. He went to the cocoon, the time in the tomb, and then to transformation to the resurrected body of the butterfly. So Jesus' bodily resurrection was this butterfly, the sense of transformation. And you know, this model of a physical body rising and transform makes sense for a lot of people. They find a great deal of peace in it. Some of the most respected people I know believe this. Even Richard Rohr, one of the most progressive theologians, believes something similar to this when he talks about the physical bodily resurrection. And even, you know, if you want to push me, if you want to say, come on, Steve, you got to believe in the bodily resurrection. If we want to talk about uh, worm, cocoon, to transformation, Jesus' body, to tomb, to uh, transformation. If you want to talk about this in a metaphorical sense, that this is what happened to Jesus when we say a, it's a bodily resurrection, we say this in a metaphorical sense. Okay, I guess maybe theologically I could talk about it this way, but I really don't believe that that's literally what happened 2,000 years ago. Um, you know, for me, I, I go, you know, why would I doubt this? Why would I doubt the story of Jesus and the monarch butterfly? You know, there's, it's a, there's an interesting insight by a theologian by the name of Juan Sobrino. He's a theologian, talks about the resurrection and what it meant historically. And what he says, he says that when it comes to the bodily resurrection, whether it's resuscitation or bodily resurrection or the transformation into a mysterious being. Now what we come down to, he says, all that we have is the account of the first and second generation disciples and their integrity that they would not lie to us. In other words, they saw something, they saw something physical, they could touch it, they could feel it. They saw him appear and disappear. All these things that are in all the gospel stories they saw these things, and it was miraculous to them. And they then passed this on from generation, the first generation, to the second generation, to the third generation, and then on to the fourth generation when the Gospels were being written. And he says, you know, what we all we really have when it comes down to arguing about the resurrection is that we have the uh, their eyewitness accounts and their integrity that says they would not lie to us. Now, you know, this makes sense. Sabrino is being re reasonable. You know, and as I've said, millions of Christians down through the ages agree with this. They believe that what the disciples saw was real. They saw the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and they said it was real. It changed their lives, and they passed down what they saw from one generation to the next. And they didn't lie. They kept their integrity intact. And what we have in the gospel stories is 
the accurate testimony to the resurrected Jesus. There you go. The official story right there. Why would we doubt that? Am I questioning their integrity? Am I questioning that they lied to us? You know, not really. I just, you know, I can't swallow the whole story of this physical resurrection. You know, there's this long development of storytelling, a myth and legend that is a part of gospel writing. You know, I, I need to take all that into consideration. Um, I believe in the Q source. I believe in outside sources. You know, I don't need for the resurrection to be a historical event where a body comes back from the dead for it to have meaning for me. That I find meaning in a different way. And when here's what I mean when I find story, find meaning. Let me when I for me to tell you where I find meaning, I have to tell you my story. Because it's different than the bodily resurrection. It's not that again, it's not that I question the integrity of those first eyewitnesses and what they saw. It's just I started doubting doubting the bodily resurrection about 40 years ago in seminary. And my doubts have run through my entire life. Why would I doubt it? Well, I feel as though to accept the bodily resurrection, I have to check my brain at the door. You know, for me, death is a part of the natural world. Things live, things die, they go to the ground. It's a part of life. Sometimes it's a miracle in and of itself. To believe a body could resuscitate or bodily resurrect, go from from uh, worm to tomb, even to monarch butterfly, you know, it just seems to contradict the natural order that God created. You know, I've seen a lot of people die. I've seen a lot of dead people, more so than the average person. And when they die, it's it. They're gone. They're dead. There's no coming back. And as I said, I just kind of believe sometimes it's its own miracle watching this being a part of it. The cycle of life, you know, I just don't believe God would reverse this natural order. I think a Christian's trying to hold to the physical erection turns off, turns off me. It turns off millions of people who might turn to God or lift up Jesus as a teacher. But they get to this physical bodily resurrection and they say, nope, it's too crazy and outlandish. I have to check my brain at the door. I can't do that, so I'm not going to go there. I'm going to dismiss Christianity. So but then what do you do? If you're not going to accept the bodily resurrection, you're not even going to accept the whole worm, cocoon, monarch, butterfly, then what are you going to do? What are you going to call it? So for me, I call it a spiritual resurrection. Not a bodily resurrection, but a spiritual resurrection. Here, let me give you, first of all, a few insights. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was writing decades before the Gospels were written. He says nothing about the resurrection stories that are in the Gospel. He says instead that through the resurrection we're changed, we're transformed in a twinkling of an eye. That Jesus was changed, transformed in a twinkling of an eye. But he never talks about Jesus walking out of a tomb. These stories of Jesus' bodily resurrection come much later, decades later. What's interesting 
is that the official stories of Jesus' resurrection are so ingrained on our thinking that we read them into Paul's writings. You know, what the Gospels say, and they were written decades later, it's so ingrained in our thinking that when we hear Paul talk about the resurrection, it's it's like he's talking about Jesus the tomb, walking out of the tomb. That No, that's not what Paul is talking about it. He says something different. He describes what I call a spiritual resurrection. And this is what I believe. I believe what happened on three days after Jesus' death or somewhere after that, and maybe for a long time after that, was the disciples had a spiritual awakening. I know that's not what the stories read, that the disciples had a spiritual awakening, but that's why, let me say again, it's why I take the Bible seriously, not literally. I can interpret the stories and say that definitely something happened that profoundly moved them. I believe they experienced something more on the order of a spiritual presence that they could feel in their body that was deep and profound. And because they felt it in their body, they could say it was bodily, but it wasn't a resuscitated body. Again, let me tell you my story. Okay. Haven't you ever had the experience of feeling someone's presence, especially if someone who has died that you were close to, but it was a spiritual experience? You know, I'll never forget in the days following the Columbine shootings, my life was a mess. You know, you've heard me talk about this. I was going through a literal hell trying to deal with the community trauma as well as my own trauma. One night, I was walking into my living room where I literally felt my meemaw. My grandmother. My Mima and I had a special relationship. She was my spiritual mentor. She taught me how to pray, how to read the Bible, what it meant to go to church. I loved my Mima and she loved me. She was a huge source of comfort. That night, to physically feel her in my body was this huge source of comfort. I mean, I could feel her. I could smell her. It was as if she were physically present to me. And I believe she was in a spiritual form. Did she bodily rise? No, but was she spiritually present? Yes. That's what I believe happened to those disciples. They had that same kind of experience where they said, what was that? Did you just feel that? Did you just experience that? I could feel the presence of Jesus with me. And if I, you could feel it in their bodies. You know, for me, that's what I think happened. Now, I know for a lot of people, this feels like a bunch of spiritual woo-woo, and you have to check your brain at the door with this as well. But for me, it's much more akin to what I believe those disciples felt. It's what Paul described happened to him on the road to Damascus. Paul hears the voice of Jesus. The experience completely transforms him, and his life goes in a completely different direction. He doesn't experience a physical bodily resurrection. It's a spiritual resurrection that he feels. You know, for me, I could be wrong, but I feel the spiritual presence of Jesus inspired these disciples and Paul and eventually transformed them. This is why finding a tomb with Jesus' body in it wouldn't bother me a bit because my faith is not tied to a physical bodily resurrection. It's spiritual. So who's right? Physical 
or spiritual. Who knows? Maybe Sabrina was right. All we have are those disciples and their testimony and their integrity that they wouldn't lie. The problem is they all tell very different stories. You know, my favorite story is the earliest from Mark. The women go to the tomb, find it empty, and leave terrified and tell no one about it. I love that. Matthew and Luke and especially John tell different stories. Paul tells a different story. So if all we have is their integrity and they wouldn't lie, then uh, why do they tell different stories? Why do we have these multiple stories? Why do we have my own crazy feeling? Well, this is why I always go back to Easter and talk about it as being the great, grand, glorious something that happened. Something happened 2,000 years ago. And what I can see, I think what we all can see, was that something happened 2,000 years ago that changed the course of human events. You can believe it or not, atheists or not, but we all have to concede that something happened 2,000 years ago and history changed. You can say that the disciples stole the body and made up a lie. You can say anything you want, but something happened 2,000 years ago and history changed. Again, this is why I take the Bible seriously and not literally. If I take it literally, I feel like I have to check my brain at the door. But if I take it seriously, I can take the stories as being just that. Stories that have a profound message to us that we can interpret and apply. And this is how I this is how I interpret it. Again, my story. The crucifixion. Life can be brutal, painful, our loved ones often die in violent, brutal ways, often at the hands of evil people. The grief that the followers of Jesus felt is similar to the grief that we feel. Our hopes can get dashed. Things that we believe in fall apart. We go through times of deconstructing where we challenge all of our own beliefs. The three days in the tomb, I interpret that as being life can be a time of darkness. But the darkness can be good, and if we can persevere, the darkness often leads to light, and the light can literally transform us. The empty tomb, God's power moves through life and overcomes the despair that we might feel. The presence of Jesus our faith in God transforms us so that we can be spiritually inspired to know that Christ's Spirit is with us. You know, for me, I apply this to my death. I believe that just as something grand and glorious happened after Jesus died, something grand and glorious happens after we die. I have some ideas about what happens after we die, and I've decided that that's a different podcast, so I'm going to do that at a different time. I just know that something happens to us. That great, grand, glorious something happened 2,000 years ago. It's metaphorical about the something that happens to us after we die. Easter. Is it a physical bodily resurrection or a spiritual resurrection? Either way, I want you to know that your faith is good. If you believe in the bodily resurrection, then God bless you. There's a whole bunch of millions of people of the faithful that would agree. But if you doubt the official story, if you question it, if it just doesn't make sense to you, then jump the fence and join the rest of us who are exploring alternative views. I think the key thing is that whatever, whether, whatever, <laughs> whether you believe is or not is that you practice 
the resurrection. There's a great book called Living the Questions. Uh, it's called the Living the. I look up the book. It's right here on my desk. Living the Questions: The Wisdom of Progressive Christianity. The book teaches that progressive Christians move beyond arguing for a bodily resurrection and instead practice what resurrection means and how no matter how you would define it. So do you believe the resurrection means the power of God moves to the world in your life and you practice that? Do you believe that the resurrection means something happens to us after we die? Then you live like you believe that. But what you do, you practice the resurrection. You put your beliefs into action. You know, a lot of stuff, a lot of ideas kind of kicking around. Once when I taught this to a class, I had someone raise their hand and ask me, how do you even call yourself a Christian? How can you doubt the physical bodily resurrection and even call yourself a Christian? I know. It can be a bit radical. I always say to these people that I'm either the worst kind of Christian or I'm the best type of Christian. I'm the worst type of Christian because... I question everything and draw to my own conclusions. Or I'm the best kind of Christian because I question everything and draw to my own conclusions. And you? What type of Christian are you? Bodily? Spiritual? Find a body in a tomb? Does your faith crumble? Does it stay intact? Worm, cocoon, monarch butterfly, does that speak to you? Do we have the eyewitness testimony of those first century Christians and they would not and their integrity that they would not lie to us? A lot of stuff. A lot of ideas. That's why I always come back to if nothing else, we can say something grand and glorious happened 2,000 years ago that changed the course of human events and my story is that it changed me now literally how heretical is that if it changed me isn't that what the purpose of the resurrection is is to change us so why get wrapped around the axle I even tell myself that why get so bent out of shape about it Steve why can't you just accept worm, cocoon, monarch butterfly, and just let it go with that. I don't know. I just can't let it go. As I said, I've got a question and I've got a doubt. Hey, read my blog, Cowboy Jesus. You can find it on Facebook. Uh, it's on my page, Dr. Steve Poos Benson. I want you to like my page. Get on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at S. Poos Benson. I'm on Instagram and now TikTok. I uh, have a lot of fun exploring TikTok. All right. I want you to have a great Easter and a wonderful Holy Week. Take care. We'll see you next time for Cowboy Jesus riding the rodeo of religion and life.